Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, Ohio State fans, and welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy with Bucknuts and 24-7 Sports here with you to talk uh, the latest of uh, going on with the Buckeyes. Uh, first of all, sipping on a, a White Claw today. Uh, first of all, it was in my fridge, which makes it easy and accessible. Second of all, I've got uh, my week has been off because I was out of town over the weekend. So my days have all been off one day and I've got a workout later that I don't need to uh, don't need to mess up by drinking anything too crazy here. So figured this will this will satisfy the happy hour for now and we'll get back to the the beer next week. Um, We are going to talk about Ohio State new athletic director Ross Bjork, who was officially announced on Tuesday. He then had his first press conference along with President Ted Carter and current athletic director Gene Smith on Wednesday. We were there for that. Uh, I know that there was some conversation about that already on the Bucknuts Morning 5 on Thursday morning. We're going to go a little bit deeper as we were the three guys there, and that's because I'm going to be joined by Steve Hellwagon and Dave Biddle. He will hop on here shortly. Steve, what's going on, man? Not much, Pat. I'm drinking a clear, a clear, a clear liquid. 
known as water. That's what I'm drinking today. Although I, I had beer that I should have brought down just to sip on a beer while we were doing this. So my, right. my bad for not mit, fit, fitting the motif. You're more responsible than I am. I also have water sitting here if I need it. Dave, what's going on? You've made it. Yeah, just I'm with Steve. I'm just doing the water for now, but there could be some adult libations later. We shall see. It'd be an upgrade. Yeah, right. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about the new athletic director. We'll also talk some Buckeyes, kind of some offseason stuff after that. Um, you know, we'll just kind of roll through some stuff here. But I want to get your guys' initial impressions of, of new athletic director Ross Bjork sitting in that press conference yesterday at the Cavelli Center. Dave, I'll start with you. Just listen to the guy talk. Um, we'll get into the specifics of what he said, but what would you think of, uh, of the man who will be leading this athletic department here starting July 1st? Yeah, I was very impressed with him. Um, he definitely knows how to win over a room. Um, and I, I liked his talking points a lot. I really did. Um, you can tell that he's a guy that uh, fully embraces NIL. I think Ohio State needed that. Um, for all the, the good things Gene Smith did. It wasn't that he was anti-NIL. He just didn't maybe embrace it as much as I think he probably should have. Um, and it's a stark contrast with Bjork. I mean, just look at what he did at Texas A&M. I mean, they, no one embraced it better than Texas A&M. He just needed a better coach. And uh, I don't know we'll get to that later, the whole Jimbo Fisher thing. Um, and maybe people don't know the whole story there. But uh, overall, very impressed with him. He understands football is what drives all of this. He had very nice things to say about Ryan Day. Um, but I, Ross Bjork, I think Buckeye fans, when you look back on this 10 years from now, I think Buckeye fans are going to say it was a good hire. Steve, what about you? Initial impressions of, uh, of Ross Bjork. Well, I think you got to be very impressed with him. Obviously, uh, they had a committee of people who put together the list of finalists that they handed off to, uh, Ted Carter, the new president. And in his 17 days on the job, Ted Carter sifted through that, uh, either met in person or Zoom calls, I presume, or whatever, did some uh, high-speed vetting of those, uh, rigorous vetting of those uh, remaining uh, candidates and uh, decided that Ross Bjork was the the person that he wanted to lead Ohio State Athletics uh, into the future, 51 years old. As Ted Carter said, he's got a long runway. It means he could be the athletic director at Ohio State for a long time. They've only had nine of them in the entire uh, tenure of Ohio State Athletics. And uh, obviously, they, they usually stay a while. It was 19 years for Gene Smith. Remains to be seen whether or not uh, Ross Bjork will still be doing this when he's pushing 70. But, uh, you know, he's getting in at a time of great change in college athletics, obviously, with uh, the Big Ten going to 18 teams in the conference and the change to the 12-team college football playoff and potentially the changes in the NCAA governance structure and whether the Power Four will pull off on their own and create their own overarching a governance system, uh, either including the NCAA or uh, doing their own thing one way or the other. But uh, at any rate, uh, I'm uh, interested to see where Ross Bjork takes this thing in the years to come. Uh, there are some facilities issues that need to be dealt with, obviously, but uh, the biggest thing is raising money for NIL to pay the players. That's where things are headed until – they get to the point where there's enough revenue coming in that they can maintain the 36 sports and also pay 
the the people who are putting on the show, which are the football and to some degree the basketball players. Yeah, and in case you weren't familiar uh, with with how this situation is going to work, Gene Smith will continue to be the athletic director for the remainder of his contract, which runs through June 31st. Bjork will begin on May 1st as a senior advisor to Gene Smith, and then will step in as the full-time athletic director uh, on July 1st. And if you want more details on that, I wrote about his contract yesterday with Ohio State on Bucknuts. You can read that uh, there. I echo what you guys said. I was impressed. I honestly, I came in not knowing much about Bjork, except what I was able to read online. Uh, Obviously, there were some questions about some of the things that have happened in programs that he has dealt with in the past. I thought he answered those decently. Uh, I think there's probably still some more you could get out of that. But um, just in terms of his demeanor on the podium, the way he kind of commanded the room, after the fact, he stood around and shook hands with people. You know, I went up and introduced myself. He looked me in the eye, you know, said my name a couple times, asked which 24-7 sports site I was with, um, all that stuff. So, you know, I think he genuinely wants to get to know the people that he's going to be dealing with. And, you know, he said it. He's going to be open and accessible. We'll see how much that plays out once he uh, actually gets to know us all a little bit. But certainly like what I saw uh, there. Steve, you brought up President Carter. This was the first time yeah. we've gotten to to talk to him. As you mentioned, only 17 days on the job. Uh, my initial impressions were he's a football guy uh, and maybe sometimes the president of Ohio State isn't so much that. What did you make of, of hearing President Carter talk? Yeah, very impressed with President Carter. First uh, time that we've had an audience with him. And uh, I think he's a guy that's going to take Ohio State forward in many regards going uh, forward and is going to command respect, obviously, with his military background. He's got an idea of, of how to treat, uh, treat people with the proper courtesy and respect and understands that, uh, as he said, uh, the biggest thing that you can do, it's not necessarily barking orders, but it's getting people to buy into the plan. You know, this is, this is the overarching plan for Ohio state going into the 20, the rest of the 2020s and into the 2030s. And he's the guy that's going to shape that. And again, it's a pivotal time in higher education as well with all the different, uh, uh, alternatives and different things that you can do uh, to get uh, degrees and different things like that are brick and mortar schools where it's going to be 15, 30 years from now. I don't know. And do you even need a degree in, in this new uh, uh, you know, economy that we're kind of going into? So a uh, lot going on, obviously, both with higher education and uh, college athletics, but uh, I like the direction that Ohio State seems poised to, to be headed here uh, with uh, these two guys kind of leading that charge. And uh, what uh, Ted Carter said was that he wanted a guy that was committed to maintain the broad-based athletic approach, 36 sports, which, to be very honest with you, I sat down last night and enjoyed one of those 36 sports. Uh, there's an enjoyable winter sport at Ohio State, and it's called women's basketball, and they played – on Peacock last night, and they beat Maryland, handed Maryland their first loss at home in almost two years. And uh, they're going to play Iowa at home on Sunday with Caitlin Clark. The circus is coming to town on Sunday. 
noon, and that game is on NBC. NBC, as a new TV partner, actually has some women's basketball live television rights. They don't have any men's basketball television rights beyond Peacock streaming. But uh, on Sunday, it'll be Iowa against Ohio State. So uh, that was one thing Ted Carter said he wanted a guy that would maintain the 36 sports and a guy that would grab him by the hand and lead him into this new frontier of college athletics with potential new governance structure, uh, enhanced playoff, larger pay playoff, uh, new TV money revenue. How do we apply that money appropriately that they're going to get? $250 million budget for Ohio State Athletics. It's like a small company. If you, if you looked at all the companies across central Ohio, just Ohio State Athletics would be high on the list. So, you know, it's crazy uh, to think about it in those terms. And uh, they're going to pay Ross Bjork $2 million a year to run this $250 million a year enterprise. And it's so important to everybody in central Ohio, all over the state of Ohio, and really uh, Buckeye Nation worldwide. So uh, I think that they're well positioned here. And uh, that was kind of my, my feeling is that Carter is going to be the guy, uh, you know, they've had some good leaders come and go. It, it, what, what Ohio State desperately is craving now is stability. You went through uh, Holbrook, Drake and Johnson, boom, 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 you know, and now it's kind of like you need somebody to, to maintain some stability here. So we'll, we'll see if he can stay for the long haul. Dave. Oh, I forgot Gee. Ye yeah. Holbrook, Gee, Drake, Johnson. Sorry. Gee's yeah. second. Yeah, Gee's second. Gee 2.0. Yeah. Dave, Steve mentioned uh, the money there, $2 million plus bonuses and whatnot. Were you surprised it was that big of a number? Uh, I believe Gene Smith, from quick Googling here, uh, he signed a four-year extension Back in 2021, it paid him just over $2 million. Um, are you surprised that a guy who is just coming to Ohio State is getting $2 million off the top? That's about what I expected. I mean, you look at – I remember covering the Gene Smith uh, introductory press conference in 2005. Was that the Fawcett Center, Steve? It definitely wasn't at the WAC. Yeah, and, and I, I said this there with Dan Rubin on the Bucknuts Morning 5. I was there – when he was introduced at the Schottenstein Center in a game in like March of 05, as Andy Geiger was leaving, they brought out Gene and the picture of him, like, you know, waving to the crowd was on the cover of Bucknuts, the magazine with uh, Ted Ginn Jr. was like the big picture. And Gene Smith was the small picture, two Cleveland guys, pretty appropriate there. But uh, yeah, you and I were there probably 19 years ago when they trotted, uh, trotted Gene out for the first time. So my, my point is at the time, like, so that was 19 years ago. So like, I remember Gene was making, I, it probably wasn't his base salary, but when you added everything together, it was right around a million dollars. Yes. When he, Sounds when he right. retired and people were like, what? And they gave his wife a job or she was making well into six figures. So it was like, if you're going to pull a, a sitting AD from Texas A&M, two million sounded about right to me. That sounded Got about right. Especially knowing Gene came in making a million, but that was 19 years ago. Um, it felt about right to me, Patrick. I'm sure some people are like, what? Two million? It's just crazy. I mean, think about it, though. Um, Ryan Day is going to be making about 10 million. You know, I mean, it's just Jim Knowles makes 1.9 million. So Jim Knowles makes as much as the AD does pretty much. So it did not surprise me just based on 
how crazy the money is in college sports. And even when Gene was hired 19 years ago, he was making a million dollars. Yeah, we went into the wrong profession, I think, is what uh, <laughs> what that was. Yeah, I just looked this up. The cost of gas in 2005 was $2.34. And today it's, uh, you know, three twenty is what I paid a little bit earlier. So just it was about down to, it was about down to two thirty four like a couple weeks ago. I know. Uh, it went down. Yeah. Then we had that cold snap and it was like, you need all that, you know, all that heating oil or whatever. And the demand went up, but. Dave, <laughs> you, you touched on it in your initial comments. NIL. Um, it's taking over college sports. You can't talk about recruiting or retention or transfer portal without talking about NIL money. And Ohio State has started to get its act in gear. Obviously, the players that have come back, they've landed players out of the transfer portal. This They ended the recruiting cycle well with some guys where NIL was certainly a factor. What do you think will be the impact of Ross Bjork? Because as you mentioned, Texas A&M, there was a lot of those, that money thrown around, or at least supposed to be thrown around down there. How do you think that will impact Ohio State in the NIL, NIL sphere? I certainly think he's going to enhance what's going on right now. And they're they're doing overall, I think the two main collectives are doing a good job. Just, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. There's no way we would have seen this flood. I've never seen anything like it at Ohio State. Usually it's like guys leave and you're like, really? He left and he left? I understand him leaving, but he left this year. And I'm like, he's definitely going to leave. He's going to leave. Like Denzel Burke's going to leave. Tui Molao will leave. All those guys came back. And if not for NIL, they wouldn't have. If not for NIL, they would not have, in my opinion. Um, so that's so Ohio State's not like they're like behind the eight ball here, but they're not maybe where they want to be. So I think he's going to get them to where they want to be. Just again, look at what he did at Texas A&M helping raise money. Um, I think he's going to try and get the collectives don't have to be best friends with each other, but everybody at Ohio State's got to be pulling the same direction. Sure. Ohio State is extremely powerful when everybody's pulling the same direction. Um, so I think he's going to get everybody on the same page and he's going to do a great job of, of fundraising and he knows the importance of NIL. And if you're going to be a big boy in college football right now, you have to be at the forefront of NIL. And I think he's going to do that. Yeah. I'm not sure I see it getting as far as what Texas A&M was doing in terms of paying kids the amount of money that was reported straight out of high school. But right. I do think, like you said, it will continue to evolve into what, what it, should be in the eyes of, you know, Ryan Day has talked about it. They don't want to pay kids absorbent amounts of money before they even do anything. Now, that has happened. Uh, recent recruiting classes have shown that they will pay some kids if they think they are worth it. But, right. you know, most of that money from NIL this year went to keeping Jack Sawyer, Denzel Burke, those guys you just mentioned. Um, and, you know, the more you build the pot, the more money you have to spend, right? And so you can you can use it however. But I don't know if it will go the way of Texas A and M. But I do think it is moving in a right direction. I liked what they'd heard what what they what I heard yesterday from um, both Ted Carter and uh, Bjork on that. Another thing they talked about, and Steve, I'm really interested in your opinion on this. Both of you, frankly, uh, the the changes that, that that both guys see coming in the NCAA, and they talked about you know. NIL and everything moving in-house. They talked about potentially, as you mentioned earlier, Steve, certain programs breaking off into their own divisions. I believe it was Bjork who said teams or programs that make more than $100 million, um, could be their own, you know, college football, NFL, light, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and 
Bjork even said he could see significant change coming in three to five years. A, Steve, do you buy into those things? And B, do you think this positions Ohio State better to be ready for what's coming in the future? Definitely. There's going to be change. And uh, whether uh, colleges agree to it or are going to be dragged along into it, they have put themselves in the position they are today because they've kicked the can down the, down the line. And I thought about piping up and, and really making a mess of the press conference yesterday, just saying, you guys have shined on the athletes for, you know, the entire time. When I was in college in 1987, they were talking about paying the players. And, you know, every once in a while, you'll have uh, that quarterback from Northwestern was one of them. I forget. Chris Carter took that too seriously, Steve. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Chris Carter, he got paid. So did Joey Galloway. <laughs> in 1987, uh, right. Got suspended. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a, a Northwestern quarterback, you know, 10 years ago who – got involved in unionization and they shined him on for a couple months. And then lo and behold, he graduates and leaves and all the talk dissipates. These athletic administrators, presidents, athletic directors, commissioners have known the formula for 35, 40, 50 years is just humor them while they're on campus and walk them out the door and hand them their degree and say, we're working on it. And then stop talking about it. Well, that, that day is well past. Uh, the, the court, the, the NCAA and the schools are 0 for 100 in the courts trying to keep the, put these kids down on the plantation and keep them down. It ain't happening no more. So, you know, I think that uh, in a sense, uh, that day is coming where there's going to be complete revenue sharing with the athletes. And you heard the angst from them talking about, you know, how do we find what's the right thing? Because one year we make X money and the next year we make 1.5 X money. And what's their share and what do they want? And, you know, what can we give them? And on and on and on. And meanwhile, your rowing team has, you know, five nutritionists. You know, it's like, give me a freaking break. You know, I tell this all the time. When I started and I went to college in the 80s, you could pick up an Ohio State program and on two pages, maybe not even two pages, they had the picture of everybody who worked in the athletic department. Now, if you tried to do that, you'd need a hundred page book <laughs> and, and photos on every page because there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of staff people working at these schools in athletics. And what do these people do? And it's like, you know, it. I get it. You want 36 sports, but, you know, do you really need – uh, you know, four equipment people for the rowing team. You know, I just, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's what. So, you know, they're like, well, I hear this from the Olympic sports all the time. Gene came in and said, we got to cut our budget by 8%. And I'm like, GD, you're lucky you even have a budget and a job. You wouldn't have one if it wasn't for them kids down at Ohio Stadium risking their lives for you every Saturday afternoon in the fall. You know, geez, you know, sorry, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm very disillusioned by college athletics. It's just, you know, they've taken all the fun out of it. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate if they had just gotten out in front of some of these things five or 10 years ago, like they should have. And Krzyzewski said this on a, on one of the serious shows five years ago, what we need is a czar. We need a czar of college athletics, a Goodell, for lack of a better term, not that Goodell's good or bad or indifferent, but just somebody 
that leads the charge and said, this is what we need to do. This is what's good. This is what's legal. This, well, we can't, can't really restrict that because it's illegal. And they got a lot of problems right now with, with college athletics. Dave, what, what, what's your vision and how do you think Ohio state is positioned with these new leaders at the top of the program here? Yeah. I mean, are you including president Carter? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, he's I, I, part of it. I am so impressed with him. I am so impressed with him. I just, you know, I love that he has a military background and just his resume just jumps off the page and he's so impressive. So damn impressive. Um, they did a great job. As Steve articulated, I don't need to echo everything Steve said. They, I thought Holbrook, or not Holbrook, I thought um, uh, Johnson. Who's the one that, ju- that they just got rid of? Was it Johnson? Johnson. Yeah, I thought she was a good hire. Obviously, something happened. You know, I think she butted heads with maybe the wrong people in the uh, board of trustees. She wasn't going to big money anybody. Yeah, so I actually think she was a good hire, but Holbrook was a disaster and Drake was a disaster. So I think they nailed it with Carter. Again, I think they nailed it with uh, Bjork. And the biggest thing with NIL that I see is retaining the team like they did with this year. Now, as you said, Patrick, there's going to be recruits and transfers as well. That's the biggest thing, I think, for NIL. I think the idea of paying recruits, that might sound good, but like that's not nearly as good as getting JT Tumalel back for another year and Emeka Buka and Denzel Burke and all these guys they have coming back, Travion Henderson, on and on and on and on. So they did a good job with that this year. I think that's going to be even enhanced. I think they're going to do a better job in the transfer portal. Um, they're just going to have more money to play with, in my opinion. I think that's why Bjork got this job. And frankly, I've heard a lot of people say Pat Chun should have got the job. My friends... He's a nice guy, but I think they got the right guy with Bjork. Pat Sean, I think this would have been a little too big for him, especially the NIL fundraising part of it. It's not like he would have been a disaster, but they got their man. And President Carter said, Admiral Carter, he said, it wasn't a close call. He said, we had some good candidates. He's like, but it wasn't a close call. Like Bjork won. He didn't say by a landslide, but he basically are, you know, intimated that. So, uh, yeah, man, and I, he really backed Ryan Day big time. Big time. Did he back Chris Holtman? Eh, a little bit more lukewarm than, uh, but he really, really backed Ryan Day. So I think Ohio State's in very good hands here. Yeah, we'll touch on the Chris Holtman stuff if we if we have enough time here. Otherwise, we can cover that on a different show. But uh, I also thought because Ross Bjork spent about fifteen minutes, maybe ten minutes, talking about his Ohio ties, even like drawing a map essentially for us from his home in Kansas all the way up to uh, where his uh, wife's side of the family is from, and or his mom's side of the family, excuse me, is from Linda. in Ohio. Um, how, I asked President Carter how much having someone with at least Ohio ties and, and some understanding of Ohio State, because he has been around it with his family, uh, mattered. And President Carter said, you know, I don't have Ohio State ties, and they picked me, uh, but he certainly thinks it's a plus. Dave, what do you make of a guy who has no connection to Ohio State or Ohio other than having some family members? He's visited Ohio. Does that matter? Does it not? I think, it, like President Carter said, I think it's a bonus. You know, that obviously would not have been the deciding factor. If, the, if there was a tie, maybe that would have been a tiebreaker. It is a bonus, though. And it's not like some, like, oh, you know, my third cousin, like, lived in, a, lived in Columbus for a minute. It's like his mom is a Buckeye fan. Like, as you met, said, like, they're – big Buckeye fans and mom grew up in Ohio. I mean, he had like everybody from his family there, Bjork. I mean, it was crazy. They had that. He had like, it looked like a family reunion there. Um, 
So yeah, it's, I like that. I like that his mom and, you know, has deep Buckeye roots. And when they would go to family parties at his mom's farm, mom and dad's farm, um, that he would, you know, everybody would be wearing Buckeye gear. Um, now was he playing it up a little bit that he, you know, has always been like kind of rooting for the Buckeyes. Probably, probably playing it up a little bit, but I do like the fact that he's got some family ties to the state of Ohio. Steve, uh, he at one point had to ask, is it the team up North or the school up North? He also asked if there were three or four message boards on this beat and somebody said, try 30 or 40. How do you think he will handle the growth in size that he's jumping from Texas A&M, which is certainly a big program and has a large covering uh, to this? He, you know, he said the right things about Michigan. How do you think he will handle kind of the, the fan base? And he, and he did say, I should point out that he's not going to give in to mob mentality, but that, you know, they, they are aware of those things. So how do you think he handles kind of that jump up to what Ohio State Athletics is? I think that he's going to like that there is at least a little bit more perspective among Ohio State fans than there probably is among the, the crazy people who follow Texas A&M. It's almost like a cult down there, it felt like. I mean, when they're singing a song, when they're introducing the new coach, Mike Elko from Duke, and I'm like, what's going through Mike Elko's mind standing there having to sing this song with these people. It's like, good Lord, what is this? But uh, I think he's going to like that. It's a little bit more uh, of an educated fan base. I think, you know, that goes without saying, you know, my wife is kind of tuned in with what's going on in central Ohio. She's on a chamber of commerce here in Licking County. And believe it or not, this Intel uh, development that is coming to the new Albany area is going to spur growth like nothing that anybody has ever seen in our lifetimes in the state of Ohio to the point that she said that they were told that within 15 to 20 years, the size of the Columbus market will rival Atlanta, Georgia. Just stop and comprehend that. So Ohio state is positioned at the forefront of all this growth with their medical center and all their research and everything they're going to do really even in support of what's coming. And I think that that's going to bleed over into athletics as well. You know, just, just the enormity of what's coming at us. You know, we're like prisoners of inertia right now in central Ohio. We're only in the first inning of this thing. Uh, They say that the airport is going to need to be completely overhauled. And, you know, tons more gates added. Uh, there's going to be international flights going uh, to, to the Orient nonstop and just on and on and on. All these things that we can't even foresee are coming to Central Ohio and Ohio State. And I think that, you know, when you look at it, Ohio State Athletics is going to be part of this. It's going to prosper, I think, because of all this. So I think that's something to really get excited about, I guess, for the future that just, just, this is not an area that's a bleak area. This is an area that's on the cutting edge. I think he and his family coming from college station, Texas, which, you know, is probably a lot like West Lafayette or Champaign or, you know, something like that. Uh, Going to Columbus, Ohio, a vibrant city with so much to offer and so much more that's coming that we can't even think about. Uh, you know, I think, you know, 
the, the way the way that they describe it from Columbus, Ohio, you're going to be able to get anywhere in the country on a direct flight, you know, anytime you want, basically, because that's the connectivity that's going to have to come to Columbus, Ohio, as a result of all this. So uh, the future is just, you know, just really bright as, as everything I'm hearing and reading. And I'm glad, you know, my twilight years, I'll get to experience some of this. I just don't want to sit in traffic. I don't want Atlanta traffic. Let's just say that. Yeah, well, that'll be nice when we have to, you know, go cover teams out west on a regular basis. Direct flights, direct flights, direct Everywhere. Flights. Seattle, yeah. Uh, yeah. Eugene, I don't know. but Yeah, maybe not LA. Eugene. But the uh, well, last thing I want to talk about with Bjork, and then I want to move on. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, there have been some things that have followed him from Ole Miss, the scandal with Hugh Freeze, Texas A&M, the Jimbo Fisher contract uh, that he – is credited with giving to Jimbo Fisher with the buyout that cost Texas A&M more than $70 million. Uh, Dave, he was asked about these two things directly by Bill Rabinowitz. What did you make of his response? Because it kind of seemed like he said, the blame's on me as the athletic director, but here are all these other people that were involved. Yeah, I mean, I don't know as much about the old Miss situation. Uh, you know, I think that was, you can say, look at Hugh Freeze. He did good even after that. He went to Liberty. Now he's at Auburn. So, you know, and, you know, he, you can't blame Bjork for the personal issues that, um, <laughs> that Hugh Freeze had. So I don't know about Ole Miss, but that obviously um, ended bad for Ole Miss with the Hugh Freeze hiring. Now, I will say this about Texas A&M. For those who don't know, now, as we all know, boosters are extremely powerful regardless of what big-time football program we're talking about. Boosters are very important at Ohio State, obviously. Michigan, name it, Penn State. Texas A&M takes it to a different level, my friends. Most of you probably know that. The boosters control everything. I'm going to read you guys. The Athletic did a great story leading into the 2023 football season about the six reasons why it's tough to win at A&M. This is when Jimbo still had a job, obviously, because it's leading into the 2023 season. So you guys will remember a similar situation before Jimbo with Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin was hired, and then an AD gave him a ridiculous contract extension, one they had to eat. wasn't as big as Jimbo's. But they gave him this someone this ridiculous contract extension. They end up having to eat a bunch of money. And here's a quote from the athletic director at the time at Texas A&M. Guy named Eric Hyman was A&M's athletic director at the time. He said, "quote He had nothing to do with the contract extension given to Coach Kevin Sumlin at the end of 2013." "quote The contract was given to me, and it was quote This is what we're going to do." End quote. I had no say over it. So I've been, and this is. Not new to me because I've heard the boosters control everything at AM. So am I making an excuse for Ross Bjork? You're damn right I am. And he kind of alluded to this. He kind of said, you know, the, the buck stops with me, but there's maybe more to the story. But he wasn't going to get into all the specifics. Here's what happened with the Jimbo Fisher extension. And keep in mind, Bjork did not hire Fisher. Bjork got there. LSU was going after Fisher. They just were coming off a 9-1 and season in that COVID year of 2020. And the boosters told Bjork, this is what we're doing, period. So I give him a pass for the Jimbo Fisher, 100%, because I know for a fact that the boosters were 100% behind that. Not 99%, 100% the boosters were behind that. Yeah, and President Carter made the point when he was asked about it that he doesn't envision any sort of scenario like that happening. Not that Bjork won't have to fire coaches at some point, because he will, assuming he he lasts for a while, uh, but that the buyouts won't be as absorbent as that one was with Jimbo Fisher. 
Okay. Any last things that we didn't hit on that you guys want to bring up about the press conference before we move on? No, I think that pretty much covered it. I think that uh, <clears throat> these guys are, are leading Ohio state into the future. And I think that's a good thing. And uh, Ryan day was sitting right there in the, in the crowd and uh, Chris Holtman was off to the side and presume he had to leave to go to practice and he had to duck out. But uh, yeah, everybody, Everybody seems to be on board. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a good day, I thought, for Ohio State. All right. Well, you brought up Ryan Day, Steve. So we'll start <clears throat> with him. Uh, he was, I don't want to say mobbed by a group of reporters, but uh, definitely, you know, they they rushed to talk to Ryan Day, as often happens when Ryan Day is standing around somewhere. One of the He was asked a lot of questions about Bjork, but one of the things, and the video you posted yesterday, Steve, is on Bucknuts, one of the things he was asked about was a new offensive coordinator. Um, I know we've speculated and, and whatnot on this, but I want to ask Dave, I'll ask you first, how important is this hire for Ohio State? Assuming this does happen and they do bring in someone to call plays and kind of run the offense, how important is it for this program to get this one right? I think it's Incredibly important uh, because I think we can all agree that what was missed this year was the Kevin Wilson voice of reason. When things go sideways, this is what we need to pivot and do. Uh, they just, you know, particularly in the Missouri game, they just crawled into the fetal position when things weren't going right. And uh, it was ridiculous. So, um you know, I mean, you go 11 and two and everybody wants to change the world. It's like, well, you know, there and how bad was the offensive line and how inconsistent was the quarterback that all kind of uh, fed into this. Um, so uh, I don't know what's going through Ryan Day's mind. He's the only one who knows. But I talked with Dan Rubin about this today on the Bucknuts Morning Five and also uh in an interview I did with Buckeye Sports Bulletin about Ryan Day's first five years. And it's like, I think that he has spread himself a little bit too thin. And what he could really use is a quarterback guru who helps with the offensive coordinator job. And I can't imagine they're going to demote Brian Hartline. He's still going to be the coordinator, but hire somebody for a big salary, call him the co-coordinator and let's get to work. You know, let's get this thing figured out. And let's get back to where, you know, we're punishing the bad teams with 50 and 60 points and we're scoring 30 and 40 points against the good teams. I mean, that 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 was just not the case this past year. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of my thought on of it is get it fixed, get it figured out, get somebody he trusts, get somebody who's competent, get somebody who's got experience, but get it done, you know, get it figured out and get it done. And. I don't – there was a lot of talk about Jason Candle. It doesn't feel like that's still going to happen. Uh, I think at one point it seemed like it was going to happen, but maybe he's going to stay at Toledo now. And, uh, you know, who's it going to be? I have no clue. And, uh, you know, Ryan Day said yesterday, when I got something to report, I'll let you know. So he said, we're still looking at everything. That was what he told uh, told us yesterday. So we'll we'll take the man at his word. Yeah, it's, it's very important they nail this higher. Um, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's, it's at least a 9 on the important scale. You could say it's maybe a 10 because um, they do. They need to make Ryan Day more of a – he needs to make himself more of a CEO 
and have an offensive coordinator up there in that press box, a sterile environment where you can just you see the field better. You don't have all the distractions. Um, and I, I think they are going to – I was like in I'll believe it when I see it mode, you know, because maybe I should stick with that because I haven't seen it yet. Because as we know, pl- calling offensive plays is Ryan Day's baby. That's what he's known for. I'm like, is he really going to give that up? Kind of like when Hartline was moved to offensive coordinator. People are like, well, Hartline's going to call plays now, right? I'm like, probably not. And he didn't. Um, but it sounds like Day had an epiphany of some sort. that Maybe I need to be a, a CEO. I got too much on my plate. So now my number one target would be Joe Brady. I know a lot of people feel the same way. I feel that's unrealistic. I don't think that's going to happen. Joe Brady is an offensive coordinator with the Bills. And I'm sure he's going to – as soon as he took over, for, they fired our old friend Ken Dorsey from the 2002 National Championship game. The Bills looked like they were like headed for like missing the playoffs. They get rid of Dorsey. They hire Brady midseason, and boom, Bills take off. What happened with LSU Burroughs first year? Offense wasn't good. They had an old-school offensive coordinator. They bring Joe Brady in, boom, boom, boom. Um, I would love Joe Brady. It ain't happening. He's not going to leave the Bills. They're going to take care of him. He doesn't want to – if he's going to make a lot of money as an offensive coordinator in the NFL, he's not going to come to college and have to deal with recruiting and all that stuff and NIL and all that. So I don't think Joe Brady is legit. There's a lot of smoke out there about Bill O'Brien. Okay. Now I know the one person on Twitter that's really being outspoken about this is the same person that said Pat Chun was going to be hired as AD. So take it with a whole container of salt. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know what I think about that. Bill O'Brien checks a lot of the boxes that I wanted. But, like, knowing it's Bill O'Brien, that doesn't check any box. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, the NF guy with, like, he was a head coach in the NFL, head coach at Penn State, offensive coordinator in the NFL, offensive coordinator at Alabama. But it's Bill O'Brien. Um, I don't know. Maybe it would be a good hire. I'll, you know, we'll see. That surprised me. If that happens, it was a little bit of a surprise that that would be Day's guy. I was more in the Jason Candle camp. Um, again, I wanted Joe Brady, but I never thought that was legit because, like, the Bills are going to take care of him. Um, so we'll see. Maybe it is going to be Bill O'Brien. There's some smoke out there. We could find out as early as tomorrow. We shall see. Yeah, I I hesitate to say it will come as early as tomorrow, but it depends on how Ohio State is going to create an opening here, whether they're going to use the, the opening vacated by Parker Fleming. There's also talk about adding a defensive coach to the staff um, instead of adding a special teams coordinator. We have talked in the past about Corey Dennis. His contract is up as of January 31st. So do you wait until that happens? I know Ryan Day in the past has wanted coaches to be able to, you know, start their path on their next job as they head out the door at Ohio State. So uh, a lot of moving parts there. Uh, the the one thing I think, too, that I've been told is that guys that may or may not be great recruiters are not seen as a deal breaker for this because they believe that there are enough really good to great recruiters on this staff, including Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, um, that can kind of compensate well, for that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you see a guy and you're like, well, can he recruit or does he want to recruit? I think that you, you may not worry about that as much as you, you might have elsewhere. Um, sticking with potential new additions, the Alabama transfer portal window is open and I know they talked on the Bucknuts Morning 5 at length this morning about Caleb Downs and Proctor, the offensive lineman. Um, We don't need to rehash everything that was said on there. Bill Curlick and Mark Porter touched on a lot of it. But I want to ask you two guys, if you're looking at a potential very talented safety 
who could step in and fill Josh Proctor's role right away. And then you don't have any issues in your secondary or a guy who can step in and probably play right away at left tackle, which is the priority for you, Dave, you go first. Definitely left tackle. And yeah. I, Caleb Downs is fantastic, but I mean, come on. We're talking about a left tackle versus a safety. <laughs> I mean, what's more valuable. And, and we know just from the going rate, what we hear from all of our sources, the going rate for offensive linemen is through the roof. Maybe it's not quite – if you're a, a great quarterback, you're number one. And then offensive line's number two, okay? And not great quarterback. Is a good quarterback's probably below offensive line. If you're a great offensive lineman or a, a Jonah Jackson-type offensive lineman, you're very coveted in the portal. Jonah Jackson would have got paid nicely if the NIL was happening when he was transferring. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's um, going to be very interesting. But I would take – if I had – I want them both, obviously, but give me Proctor over Downs. I almost can't believe I'm saying that because I love Caleb Downs. He's going to be a stud in the NFL for years after he's done in college. But bringing in – and then you, that would allow them to move Simmons to right tackle if they wanted to, move Fryer inside, or maybe Fryer would lose the job to somebody else. Maybe the kid from Alabama who's already transferred in, McLaughlin. Uh, everybody assumes he's going to be center. Maybe they'd move him to right guard, take over from Matt Jones, and put Hensman at center. I don't know what they're thinking. Probably McLaughlin's going to play center. Bill Curlick said he's coming here as a center. So Bill's hearing that from very good sources. So I'm assuming McLaughlin's going to be a center. But, yeah, um, I want them both. But give me – if I had to pick one of the two, give me Proctor over Downs. Steve, you feel the same way? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, you think about it. Uh, <clears throat> they can't go into 2024 with the same alignment on the offensive line. It's just not going to work. They've got – they got to get better players and either develop them with Montgomery, Toshbola, whoever, maybe shove Fryer inside, whatever. I don't know, but got to come up with a better alignment, I think, on the offensive line than what we saw in 23. I think to trot the same guys out there in 24 and expect different uh, situation than, you know, I think that's that's a little foolish. So uh, I guess the, the Twitter machine is uh, working overtime that it's going to be Bill O'Brien maybe announced tomorrow. But uh, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody reputable is reporting this or not, but uh, that's maybe where, where things could be headed. Bill O'Brien is not a name I've heard at all. So unless there's something new happening there, um, we'll see on that. Uh, and real quick on Downs and Proctor, and this is probably not news to anyone listening to this podcast, but Ohio State is probably at least second right now in terms of odds of landing either guy. Downs likely going to end up at Georgia, most people think, where he's from. His position coach from Alabama is now on the Georgia staff. And then uh, Proctor was originally committed to Iowa, flipped his commitment to Alabama. And I guess during the season last year, there was even talk about him being homesick and wanting to transfer to Iowa. So I think you can read the tea leaves there. That does not mean that it is set in stone. Ohio State, uh, I think it was reported earlier today by Bill Curlick and others that Ohio State was visiting downs in Florida. So they're going to do their work to try and land one, if not both of these guys. Probably doesn't hurt to have a current Alabama offensive line or a former Offensive lineman currently on your on your roster, as Dave mentioned, Seth McLaughlin. Hopefully, those two have a good relationship with that guy. Um, but I would, as I said, when a friend texted me about this yesterday, 
I would not get your hopes up on downs. And I feel the same way about Proctor. If I'm wrong, then I think everyone will be happy. Right. So that's kind of my read on the situation. Um, as we look at what's happened already this off season and th- there's been a lot. So, you know, take time to think about this if you need, but is there one thing that has been the most impressive thing that Ohio state has done thus far in your minds? And while you guys think of it, I will answer first. Um, I have not been the biggest Will Howard fan. I think that while he is certainly an upgrade on what they did or what they had given his experience, um, you know, watching film of him, but as I've thought about it more and more, I think that you have hit a home run, a potential home run here with that. And obviously a quarterback position so crucial. Maybe Devin Brown would have gone out and won the job and been great next year. But I think Will Howard can A, be a mentor to him. I think he can come in and put up even better numbers than he has with better receivers, hopefully a better offensive line than he had at Kansas State. Um, So to me, that getting a guy like that, that a number of schools were interested in, Um, I think has been something that may be the most impactful thing on the 2024 Buckeyes. Dave, what about you? Yeah, that's a good one because you get your QB one. I mean, that's without him. I mean, I don't know what they would have done. So that was, that was huge to get uh, Will Howard. I'll just say maybe this is cheating, but like I said earlier, the biggest thing so far is getting all the guys to come back that came back. That works. It it says a lot about the culture. I think people are wondering, Oh, let's talk about brotherhood and, all the love and everything. Like, is that, is that real? Like it shows that that's real. And also maybe people don't care about that, but um, I think it's important, but if you don't care about that, you definitely care about having a loaded 2024 roster. They have a loaded 2024 roster. I just can't get over it. I, everybody knew Marvin was leaving. And then Mike Hall, I, I wasn't nest. I thought there was a chance he would leave. And we found out, you know, him and his girlfriend, fiance had a baby. Um, he's done with school. That makes sense. And everybody else came back. It's just, it's stunning to me. When I was doing like the projected depth chart, uh, Dan and I did that for Monday's show. I went through, it was fun. I was like, my gosh, they're just stacked. For the defensive it was line, fun. it goes defensive end, senior JT Tumulau, senior Jack Sawyer in the starting lineup, and then senior Tyleek uh, Williams and senior Ty Hamilton. And then you got coming off the bench, you got Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry. I'm just getting fired up. Then I get to the secondary. I'm like, you got to be kidding me here. Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Davidson Igbenosin, Lathan Ransom's coming back. They might be able to move Sonny Styles to linebacker, especially if they get Caleb Downs. If not, Malik Hartford's ready to play. They, got, they still have Jihad Carter. Um, getting everybody to come back is insane to me. Mecca Buka, I would have lost a lot of money coming into the year. You would have said, is there any chance that Mecca Buka comes back? And I'd be like, no, even if he gets hurt, he will leave just like JSN did. And Mecca's coming back. JT's coming back. And they had to, they had to do some NIL. They had to sweeten the NIL pot for JT, although his demands came down a little bit, which was good. His demands, his father's demands, whatever you want to say. Getting all of those guys to come back for another ride, that has been the biggest story of the offseason, in my opinion. Steve, what about you? What, what's been the biggest thing that they've done? Yeah, I, I agree with both those points. Uh, you know, I did a show earlier with uh, Tony Gerdeman, and he's been really good about putting uh, clips of Will Howard on Twitter He said on their site, Buckeye Huddle, he's going to post a story with a lot of those clips. And he said what got a lot of attention was the clip he posted where he threw three interceptions. (laughs) And a lot of people were like, whoa, what are we doing here? And I think we have to tap the brakes a little bit and say, yeah, this guy did win the Big 12 championship last year. 
But he also split time with another quarterback, a younger guy at times. And, you know, is he the answer to all of Ohio State's problems? I don't think we know that yet. Let's see how he does in the spring. I mean, I know that's not going to tell us everything, but at least let's get a, get an up-close and personal look at how he's meshing with the Buca and the tight ends and the other receivers. So, yeah, I agree with that's certainly a huge thing. What Dave brought up is a huge thing. In all my years of doing this, you know, and, and you know, we work for CBS, so I kind of default to CBS's draft prospect grades, which I think are generally pretty good. It wasn't a mock draft, but they had Tuimaloal, Burke, and Ibuka all in the top 30 to 40 overall draft prospects, which means there's a chance if you do really well at the combine, you're going to go in the first round. And, you know, we could say, well, Ibuka's banged up. You know, we could say – Tuimaloa really didn't produce. You know, we could say, I don't know what you say about Burke. I don't know what else he, that guy needs to prove. He's a lockdown corner, but you can always get better. But uh, I think another year with Tim Walton will definitely help him. And so uh, those guys don't want to play their way like Alave did two years ago into the top 15. That's when, that's when shit gets exciting, you know, is when you're making that guaranteed money and that big money, you know, as a starting starting out in the NFL. So I know the biggest money comes on the second contract, but so both of those things you guys mentioned are, are huge. Uh, beyond those two, I just like what they've done in the 2025 class on defense. Oh my God. They got uh, one of the great corners with uh, Devin Sanchez and they got uh, that kid uh, from Philadelphia Mathis, a defensive end. They're both national like top, 60 players. I think Mathis is around 50 and Sanchez is top 10. Sanchez is higher rated than the two guys they just took who everybody just lost their mind. We got to get Weston Scott. Hey, I got news for you. They just got a guy better than Weston Scott in the following class in Sanchez. And top they're going to get in the country. Going to get another guy better than Weston Scott in that class too with Dorian Brew possibly. So you want to talk about cornering the market on cornerbacks and you got Jermaine Matthews who's going to be a sophomore this coming year, you, you lay that all out there, you are set at, you know, there's two positions on defense, corner, well, the two corners and the two defensive ends. You have that, <laughs> somebody that can get to the quarterback and somebody who can erase the best two receivers on the other team. Good luck throwing the ball, folks. So Ohio State has got the cornerback position pretty well locked down. This year it's amazing. And for years to come, it should be amazing. Yeah, I think the one question I still have about this. That's defense mine. Is, I'm going with them two studs on defense in 2025. There you go. I, think, a, I mean, they got two studs and no one talks about it because there's so much other stuff that's happened. I mean, that's outshined it. Yeah, no, it's I mean, as soon as one thing breaks, the next thing breaks. It's been a crazy what? 20 so, or some days since I the, wrote about it on Saturday, that column, that 10 days yeah. I went, I did it in chronological order, everything that happened and just how the reaction to it. And I linked all the stories back and yeah, I mean, it was a tremendous run. And yeah. like I said, to get three first round guys potentially to agree to come back. And even if they're not first round, second round guys, let's just yeah. say they all went in the second round and Henderson on top of that, who's got a shelf life as a running back. 
I mean, very limited. So Henderson coming back as you bring in the top transfer portal running back, you know, it's not scared of competition there. They asked me on Canton radio yesterday, well, is now Judkins going to get back into the portal because they kept Henderson? I was like, no, I think Judkins certainly didn't know Henderson definitely was coming back until it was etched in stone, but he had to know the possibility was there and that Tony Alford probably squared that with him. But, uh, yeah, between those two and Dallin Hayden, uh, you know, free Dallin, as we like to say. I want to see Dallin play a little bit too, but yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that was a happy hour, boys. That was that one was. happy hour. That a lot was of great indeed. talk. Yep. Thank you, guys. I know we it's... didn't ruin it with any basketball talk because that wouldn't be un... that wouldn't be happy talk. That's no. uh, that's they everybody. Better get their, they better get their shit that, together. Better get their shit together and do a U-turn on the interstate and head the other direction 75 miles per hour as soon as humanly possible. Or there's going to be, uh, I don't know. Somebody said that uh, this guy is going to be more involved, Bjork, at Ohio State after March 1st, and my buddy immediately texted me, good, he'd come to one of the late-season games when they're down to 3,000 fans a game. So, <laughs> yeah, they got to get their shit together. All right, guys. Well, thanks again. I know it's a busy time, so thanks for jumping on. I do appreciate both of you. All right, man. Thanks, Patrick. Yep. Good stuff, man. See you later. All right, guys. Thanks to uh, Dave Biddle, Steve Hellwagon for jumping on with me. Um, I figured talking about Bjork from a perspective of the people that were in the room would be a little different than the Bucknuts Morning 5, and I hope we hit on some stuff that you were interested in there when it comes to the Buckeye team early this offseason. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I thought this was another good show. I thank all of you for tuning in. And uh, we should be back next week. I'm sure there'll be more news to talk about. So we'll talk to you guys next week. This has been another Bucknuts Happy Hour. Thanks again, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.